invite you to stand for the reading of today's gospel lesson. Our scripture today comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. Listen for the word of the Lord. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the word of God for the people of God. Good morning. My name is Sarah Kate Ingram, and I'm a senior in the youth group. I have grown up in this church. I was baptized and confirmed here, went through Sunday school classes, choir sessions, vacation Bible school, and sprouts. During that time, I learned a lot about the Bible and the teachings of Jesus. But my faith has really flourished during these last few years when I've been involved in the youth program. I've been able to take control of my faith and get to know Jesus better. I started in the youth group as a shy seventh grader who did not have the courage to get involved in the youth ministry activities. I'm the oldest of three sisters, so before joining the youth group, I'd always had my sisters with me at church activities. It made me comfortable knowing that they were there with me. But when I moved into the youth program, they stayed behind in the children's ministry. I no longer had someone tagging along with me. I was now the one who had to step out on my own. After some initial hesitation, I began to get more involved and have grown to love all of the programs of the youth ministry. Between my freshman and sophomore years of high school, which is right on the tail end of the pandemic, I realized I really wanted to grow my faith. I joined my small group sophomore year and started going to MYF on Sunday nights, which allowed me to become closer and more confident in my faith. Before my junior year, I interviewed for the youth leadership team and was able to spread the word of the Lord through the leadership opportunities presented as a member of the youth leadership team. I've loved getting to know other members of our church better through the youth leadership team and helping to influence decisions that we're making for our youth program. The more that I become involved in church, the more I've realized that I want to learn more about the Lord and his word. Last year, I was able to attend winter weekend for the first time, and I was in awe of how much I could grow in a weekend. Whether it was in small groups with Love and Miss Brooke, or in a bigger group with everyone, I felt closer to the Lord and more inspired than ever to become closer to him. Through the youth program, I've had more opportunities to spread the word and be able to see the Lord working outside of our church bubble. I participated in the Montgomery Missions Week here in town, which is where the youth group will go to different organizations to serve and do the best to be the hands and feet in Christ in our community. I worked with Common Ground, where we put on a summer camp and handed out meals to homeless at Mercy House. But last summer, I really was given the opportunity of a lifetime. I loved to travel and had already had the opportunity to go on vacation with my family to Costa Rica. But through our youth program, I had the chance to travel to Costa Rica and see a different side of the country, the non-touristy side. Our youth group spent a week working with Rice and Beans Ministry, which seeks to build relationships, support families, communities, and care for those in need in Costa Rica. It does this through three primary ministries, the food ministry, the children's ministry, and the construction ministry. 
I worked in the children's ministry doing vacation Bible school and through the food ministry by walking the neighborhoods and handing out food to those in need. During this time, we saw so much poverty, but also saw how strong people were in their faith. Even through the hard times, they were able to stand strong in the Lord and know that he is working in their lives. They really inspired me to be a better Christian. I cannot say enough about how all of these different experiences have shaped me. I'm thankful for all the experiences FUMC has provided for me during my time in the youth group and encourage all of the youth members to get involved. These are blessings waiting for you. You won't regret it. Uh, if you'll allow me for just a moment, if you um, are attached in any way to our youth program, uh, Miles, Love, whose birthday is today, by the way. Happy birthday, love. Carrington, our youth leadership team, our youth council, small group leaders, interns, choir. Kate with uh, the youth choir. If you're attached in any way to our youth program, would you stand for just a minute so we can offer our word of appreciation to all of you for your wonderful work? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much for, um, for all that you do, the way that you pour yourselves into, into our students, your small group leaders, uh, invaluable, invaluable to the life and the future, the faith journey of our students. Thank you all for everything that you do. You know, Jesus never said, well done, good and faithful consumer, good and faithful CEO, good and faithful innovator, good and faithful athlete, entrepreneur, social media influencer, but well done, good and faithful what, church? Servant, right. Our mission here, if you're a guest with us especially, our mission here is to create disciples who create disciples who are not served but who serve. And you've heard that reflected. You've seen it. You've, you've experienced it this morning. Uh, for our youth, this is so important because uh, we parents particularly, we, we adults, we teachers we, who influence you, we tell you uh, to do well, to succeed, to achieve, to be a, a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, a coach, or, or whatever the profession is, an accountant. What I want you to hear your church telling you is to be a servant, is to be a great theologian, is to be a lifelong student of God's Word. It's okay to read the Bible in its context and through its world, but let's begin and continue to see our world through the lens of the Bible. Uh, you know, Jesus also, uh, he never said, on this rock I will build my school, my uh, social group, my political party, my sports team, but on this rock I will build my church. And to our students, the gates of hell tremble at the thought the way you're changing this world right now. Amen? We are so proud of you. So proud. That we're in this series for the new year that's called Called from the Waters of Baptism, called into a new belief, a new way of living, of thinking, of being, of doing, a new community under new authority. It's God's family into which we are called and it shouldn't be lost on us that as Jesus is building his team, he, he invited all sorts of voices uh, around him, all sorts of voices to the table to be a part of this world-changing movement. His team, the trainers who would train others to lead the world, change the world, were skeptics and zealots and fishermen and tax collectors and investors and strangers and friends and, and siblings. 
And they left their old ways to follow Jesus for a new way, giving them, giving the movement their whole selves to a new authority because something new was forming. And so when we're reading the Gospels and, and Acts, what we learn pretty quickly is that following Jesus means we cannot have competing loyalties. And Paul writes a lot about those competing loyalties. Everything wants our time and our, our energy, our talents, our money, our emotional intelligence and capital. So much competes for our love, our affection, our adoration, our love. We choose what we will serve or who we will serve. The great theologian Bob Dylan says it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you got to serve somebody. Martin Luther said we are simultaneously sinner and saint, and that tension is real. So when Jesus walks to the shorelines of our lives, calling us into this, this new way of understanding and being, do we really understand what it will entail? Well, let not your hearts be troubled, because the first disciples... They missed it. Boy, did they miss it. They missed a core truth that when we are called and approved by the grace of Jesus Christ, we don't have to prove anything to anybody else. Jesus says we are enough just as we are, and he makes us clean. And so go live and share and serve and be freed for joyful obedience. And, and Jesus spent, I don't know, what, 12 hours a day for times three years with his disciples. I don't know how many thousands of, of hours that is. Somebody can do the math. Jesus spoken words and not numbers, and so I'm going to go with that. So it's a lot of hours, and they still missed it. Think about being in class, seminary, three years, and they missed it. They missed it. They missed that being part of this community called the church. It requires more. Jesus doesn't just want one hour on Sunday. He wants our life. Not one hour on Wednesday. He wants our life, like a plant. It, it doesn't grow if you place it in the soil once per week. We don't do, we're not really all that nourished if we only eat once per week. The life to which we are called, drawn from the waters of baptism into something new by Christ means we plant ourselves in him and we feast on his word and his grace every day. Called, that's the word that's used. Called, he called them. That's, the Bible says, Jesus formed his team, his coaching staff, by calling them. He called them while they were on boats and in crowds. He called them one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. He, he called them. He used words. The Word became flesh and lived among us, and the Word of God used words to call people. We preachers love that he used a lot of words. But did he? Follow me. That's it. Use words to call another person. One has a particular voice when one uses them. And there's an interesting thing that our mind does. We can hear uh, certain words and voice um, almost immediately, uh, a voice that we recognize. It can take us to another a place, a movie scene, a, a time, a season in our, our lives. I, there are moments in my life, maybe like yours, when I can hear coaches telling me things that I don't need to repeat from the pulpit. I don't know. You get that? Or I can hear my third grade teacher, Miss, Miss Stokes, I can hear Miss, Miss Peterson teaching and throwing things 
as she taught geometry. Y'all know Miss Peterson? Jeff Davis. Legendary. I can hear Cliff Browning saying, and there's more to that, Jay. And Jesus used words to call people, and we can hear things in, in voices sometimes. I don't know. Like, if I say James Earl Jones, how many of you hear Darth Vader? Like, Luke, I am your father, right? Or Mufasa, right? Or Terrence Mann, you know. People will come, Ray. <laughs> They'll come to Iowa for reasons they get in the field of dreams, right? Morgan Freeman does that. Julie Andrews. Judy Dench. If you haven't heard Judy Dench read Shakespeare, oh, you're missing out. All distinct voices. We hear them, we know them, like you read your grandparents or your parents' uh, handwriting and you can hear their voice. Well, Jesus used words to call people. He had a very distinct voice, and, and I assumed that his voice was engaging and firm and pastoral and, and direct. And so when I read the red letters of the Bible, I hear it in Jason Borders' voice. <laughs> <laughs> My point is that these first disciples left everything to follow Jesus into a new mission and a new movement, but they didn't know him at all. They heard his call. They hadn't met him previously. They never spent time with him. They, they left and they followed him, and they found their way to a synagogue in Capernaum where no one else had heard Jesus' voice either. No one else recognized it. No one knew his teaching. This just band of followers came all the way from Galilee, around seashores, and all of a sudden they showed up uninvited, and Jesus, he goes to teaching. But there was one group who, who knew his voice, right? Who knew his voice? The demons, the unclean spirit knew his voice, and the authority with which it came. They, they saw Jesus as Messiah before any anyone else did. They heard him. They, they knew that this voice was the voice that commanded creation to form. They knew this voice by its timbre, its rhythm, its cadence. They knew this voice as the good shepherd. The demon, demons trembled at the thought of Jesus commanding them to something better, something whole, something life-giving instead of life-taking, which made me think this week about the type of unclean spirits, the demons that, that all of us have. We all have them. Things that prevent us from being who God wants us to be. Things with which we wrestle, whether it's the past or grief or loss. Or... Jesus comes to bring life and joy. And it causes the things that trouble us to tremble. I love this scene in the synagogue at Capernaum. I mean, Jesus, you know, we might say he's going to church to teach. Those who were there in the synagogue are astounded by his teaching. It was amazing. If you pick up on that thing. It's not like the scribes who just read the law, read the law, no real insight, no inflection, no, no real spirit about it, and Jesus shows up to teach like a mighty gushing river. It takes their breath away. He, he overwhelmed them by something that he said, and I don't know if you have when I get, uh, when I get to heaven list. Do you keep those lists? When I get to heaven, I, I want to know these things. I want to know in this case what the curriculum was that he was teaching. What astounded them? I also wonder what they expected. Here's this carpenter's son from Nazareth. We've already heard the skepticism. Can anything good come from Nazareth? He had amassed this motley crew of followers. They show up. 
He starts shaking some sandals. I can only imagine the look on the face of the lead rabbi and the the Friday school superintendent, the well-seasoned teachers, this outsider started teaching with authority. Can't you hear them? Uh, Who does he think he's coming in here talking to us like that? You know, the crowd and and the leaders and the teachers and the the demons, they all kind of agreed on that. Who, Who does he think he is? What what do you have with us, Jesus? That's their common question. You know, oftentimes controlling minds want to know who this is who sets people free. We can't control them if they're set free. Religion, governments, demons, they all agree on that. Who are you to come in here and start talking about setting people free? And the demons heard it. They could could name that tune in one note. (laughs) They knew his voice. Just then, a man with an unclean spirit approached Jesus. And not the man, but the spirits began to address Jesus. What do you want with us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. How do our demons know the voice of God, when our head and our hearts and our hands struggle to catch up. I suppose these demons can't tolerate the light. It exposes them. The light of the world does that. It exposes our our truest selves. It shines light on our darkest corners. But you know what else? The light of Christ shines in the places that need the most healing and wholeness too. And here's the thing I want you to hear. Just recognition does not equal surrender. Recognition is not discipleship. Belief is not surrender. Belief is not discipleship. Jesus demands it all. We talk so much about leadership and citizenship and sportsmanship and followership and even discipleship, but Those mean nothing without the lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. And there's only room for one Lord. The demons got that. They were possessing a man. They were in authority of of that host. They were preventing the man from being made whole. Maybe it was his mind or maybe they, they seized his body, perhaps both. But these demons were in control until Jesus said, no more. And the demons could no longer hide in the victim's body. This became a matter of justice for Jesus. It really was Jesus' first act in public, according to Mark. Go to a local synagogue, prove the kingdom of God has drawn near, light has come into the darkness, and start exorcising an unclean spirit. It's a showdown, cosmic showdown, but it becomes quite personal, doesn't it? And I don't want you to miss a detail that was, that was mentioned in our children's meeting that when that spirit, that unclean spirit left that man's body, he started crying, convulsing. I don't know what your story is, but doesn't it feel good to be set free? Doesn't it make us tremble and weep? We all have something like that in our lives. Jesus 
refuses to leave us to our struggles alone, we or to leave those struggles unaddressed, he comes to find the lost and to save the suffering. That's the lordship under which all other ships fall in formation. So we gather here today in this house of worship, right? In our own temple. And the grace of God has anticipated our arrival because every one of us here and afar, we need healing and we need wholeness. So I suppose a message for today's students and for all who have been baptized as students of Christ is to see and to hear that amid newly called Christians and weekly attendees and lifelong religious folk and religious leaders and skeptics and professionals and even demons stands Jesus authoritatively telling our own demons to be quiet. There's no place for them in the conversation. There's no place for them in the mind and the heart and the body and the soul for which Jesus lived and died and, and was raised to new life. They, ha they have no authority over the life Jesus has come to make new and to make whole and, and to make peaceful. That authority lies with Jesus alone. So, choose this day whom you will serve. Choose this day which voices you will follow. Choose this day the level of commitment you will make. Choose this day to be a part of this incredible community. And choose this day to allow the power and presence of Christ to approve you and no longer feel you have to prove anything to anyone. Jesus is calling you into this community to be the church. And this flagship church is sailing firmly forward because of the lordship of Jesus, whose winds of the Holy Spirit are blowing us into the future. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Everything. I have everything to do with you. Amen.